from Mamma Mia. Hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. The children of Samoa are dying. An outbreak of measles has infected nearly 5,000 people. At the time of this podcast going live, more than 70 of them have died. Most of them are children. So how is a disease that has essentially been eradicated across the developed world still able to wipe out so many lives in 2019? We catch up with Mamma Mia reporter Gemma Bath to understand how fear then led to tragedy. Between the 3rd and 10th century, doctors across the world identified that there was a disease similar to smallpox that was harming people. It would start like a cold, then a rash would appear. The most serious cases would see them develop pneumonia and in some cases encephalitis or a swelling of the brain. It could cause a child to go deaf from the ear infections it caused. It could also kill. They believe that it may have come from animals, that it seemed to have evolved after the rise of civilization in the Middle East and had properties similar to that of a disease called rinderpest, a cattle virus. A description by Persian physician Razes, which was written in 910, was the most comprehensive diagnosis of measles to be published at that point in history. But he believed it was more a childhood affliction than an infectious disease. When Europeans started to send their explorers out into the big wide world to declare themselves rulers of new territories in the 1400s, they brought with them more than a claim to the lands they came across. They brought many deadly diseases, including measles. Native American people who had no immunity would be almost wiped out over the next 150 years due to things like smallpox, whooping cough, chickenpox, the plague, malaria and measles. A similar fate was met by Australia's First Nations people, In the 10 years following Captain Arthur Phillips' arrival in 1788, it's estimated that 90% of the population were killed, many of them by infectious diseases like measles. In 1846, a Danish physician travelled to the Faroe Islands to study a measles outbreak. What he found would help the world bring it to its knees. There'd been a similar outbreak there in 1781. When the disease came around the second time, though, he found that none of the elderly residents who'd contracted it the first time around got sick. In 1954, Dr Thomas Peebles managed to isolate the virus from the blood of 13-year-old David Edmonston, paving the way for the measles vaccine. It was licensed in 1963 and introduced to the Australian vaccine schedule in 1969. Since then, it has been bundled into a vaccine known as MMR, or measles, mumps and rubella. After a major outbreak here in Australia in 1994 and 95, the Australian measles control campaign was launched, which would vaccinate 1.78 million children. The effect was a 96% fall in reported cases in the five years of 1997 to 2001, with the disease declared officially eradicated in February of 2009. Now it's 10 years later, and the disease, which is a memory for some, has again become a ruthless killer for the people of Samoa. More than 70 people have now died. Thousands are infected, most of them just kids. So how is it that in a world where some countries can effectively declare it gone forever, others are struggling to hold it at bay? Mamma Mia's senior news writer Gemma Bath has been researching the reasons behind the measles outbreak in Samoa. Gemma, when did doctors there start to see cases pop up? So this measles epidemic started with just a few cases. It wasn't an epidemic at this stage, but it started in October with seven instances of measles. All of them but one survived, and it was a one-year-old child that actually died, and that was the start. So this was around the 16th, 17th of October that these cases started to spring up. 
By November, it was a full-blown epidemic. And then from there, basically doctors on the ground are saying that they're spending entire days reviving children. Like that's the reality of life in Samoa right now. How did it progress from there? So what have authorities done to get on top of this? Because if it spread that quickly, how are they cracking down on it? Well, in those first few weeks, there's really not much they could do. They were kind of sitting and waiting to see what happened. But then things started to progress so quickly that it was, in one instance, 171 new cases were reported in 24 hours. So by November, when it was an epidemic, 2% of the population was being affected by measles. For a tiny Pacific Island nation, that's insane. They kind of had to do a little bit of like quick thinking, get UNICEF involved, get the UN involved, and it was really fast moving from about mid-November. So what have they done in that time frame between mid-November when they finally realised what's going on and now? How have they gotten on top of it? What have authorities put into place in order to crack down on it? So they put in a nationwide lockdown. So basically what that means is that everyone had a curfew. They had to stay indoors. Originally, it was children under the age of 17 weren't allowed in public gatherings, but they've actually upgraded that to kids under 19. If you think about the time of year we're in, that's things like Christmas parties, dances, gatherings, like all of the fun things that you want to do. Festive time of year. So as well as that, they brought in this system of red flagging. So they would put flags out the front of houses where there were children or adults that hadn't been vaccinated so that medical doctors that were on the ground would know where to go and where to vaccinate. So they had about 120 medical teams roaming the streets and basically knocking on doors and vaccinating these children. So the vaccination rates in Samoa started at 31% when this epidemic started. So 31% of the community was vaccinated. For a community to be properly immunised, you need to be up at 90%. So it was almost inevitable that something was going to happen, especially when you consider that in the first six months of 2019, we actually saw an increase, more cases of measles in the world than in any year since 2006. So it was already spreading around the world. And of course, it's going to find the one country that's got some of the lowest rates of vaccination on the globe. So why was that vaccination level so low and how did measles get a hold so easily amongst that population? So this all started back in 2018. There were two little babies that died from a measles vaccination. The country put the entire vaccination program on hold while they investigated and it turns out that it was actually human error. So two nurses actually misused the vaccine and mixed it with a muscle relaxant instead of water, and those kids died from the vaccine. However, it wasn't the MMR vaccine itself, but the damage was already done because these two little babies died. They'd already halted the program for a few months, so all of the new babies that had been born in that time never got vaccinated. And by the time they started the program back up, there was misinformation everywhere. So the whole community had distrust in the government, they had distrust in the system, and they rejected vaccinations. So the decline was something like 74% to 31% in a matter of, you know, months. They were at an all-time low and we had even had anti-vaxxers from here going over to Samoa and spreading this misinformation because it was welcomed. They wanted alternatives and it was somewhere where it thrived. They were doing things like go for vitamin C and vitamin A cures instead or alkaline water. That'll work. And parents were clutching at straws and they 
they wanted anything that will work and they were ignoring vaccines. So it just goes to show that if you give history a chance, it will repeat itself. Where are we at right now? So epidemics come to an end eventually. We've seen it happen around the world. Ebola was rampant in African countries not so long ago. Now we barely hear about it. So it comes to an end eventually. Where are we at with this measles epidemic right now? So the Samoan authorities have moved so quickly and it's working. They've managed to get vaccination rates up to 91% within a matter of days. That's incredible. Days. We've even got 13 Aussie nurses over there right now. So there's people from all over the world helping. They've managed to get it up to 91%. And as of Monday to Tuesday, there was a whole 24 hours without any deaths. So there were still cases being reported, but no deaths. And if you consider that there have been multiple deaths a day for weeks, you know, we're getting somewhere. It means that it's working. The vaccinations are starting to work. The curfews are working, keeping people separated. So it's going to be a slow process. It doesn't mean there's not going to be any more deaths, but they're slowly but surely starting to get on top of it. But they are proving to the world how important vaccines are. NRL wag Taylor Winterstein, a notorious anti-vaxxer, just this week on hearing that Samoan authorities are mass vaccinating children as the epidemic sweeps across the country, likened the move to Nazi Germany. On her Instagram account, she's railed against the Samoan government for not giving the victims vitamin A tablets as treatment and that poor nutrition, not vaccination rates, are to blame for the outbreak. She's urging those who have children in hospital to say no to treatment, saying it will annihilate the child's gut microbiome and inhibit their natural recovery process. She questioned whether babies were dying because of the treatment rather than the cause. Despite all of this, she claims she's never told anyone not to vaccinate their children. Back on December 5, Samoan authorities jailed prominent local anti-vaxxer Edwin Tamasesi, charging him with incitement against the government vaccination order. His arrest coming after he posted a message online saying, I'll be here to mop up your mess. Enjoy your killing spree. Their local healers are begging people to go to the hospital, saying that they have all the knowledge to heal tropical ailments, but that introduced diseases like measles need Western medicine, that they have no plants to heal this. In a previous episode of The Quickie on how Byron Bay became the anti-vax capital of Australia, we spoke to Sydney Morning Herald journalist Tim Elliott, who says a run-in with a bad vaccine also caused a significant drop in rates in Mullumbimby. What happened was there was a really bad vaccine for whooping coughs that was introduced in the late 70s. And even a paediatrician I talked to up there who was very pro-vaccination, obviously, he admitted, he said to me it was actually quite ineffective and had marked side effects like high-pitched crying and fever and stuff. What happened was that when the parents took their vaccinated children back to the doctor and said, look, this this vaccine has caused a really bad reaction in my child. The doctors at that stage said, no, 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 you know, discounted that and said, no, it can't have been the vaccine. It must be your child must have another virus. And that really alienated a lot of people, particularly up in that region, because that whole region was already predisposed to scepticism about mainstream medicine. That's where it all started, and it's really snowballed from there. And in our episode on Taylor Winterstein being the new face of the anti-vax movement, Dr John Cunningham, an epidemiologist who has an Order of Australia for his work debunking anti-vaxxers, told us that we shouldn't be taking medical advice from someone who has no medical knowledge. 
It should be a warning to anybody who's going to take health advice from someone who's famous for being a wife of a rugby league player. Taylor Winterstein came along and she set up her anti-vaxxer website and series of talks and Taylor sells two things on a website. One is tickets to her $200 talks and then the other thing is, you know, yet another food additive called PXP. And you don't have to search for long on the internet to find that PXP is made by a company called Inzacta. Inzacta is a shell company registered in Wyoming that is really just a mailbox. It's a typical multi-level marketing company. So I suspect that all Taylor's trying to do is find targets for her PXP in Zacta group. And by charging $200, she's selecting out, you know, the wealthy people who will be susceptible to her um, word salad, to her marketing ploy. And when she signs up, you know, 100 people, she gets more kickbacks from Inzacta. It's, it's a fairly typical selling ploy. And, and I feel sorry for the people who think that she's genuine. While we debate who's right and who's wrong there are still children dying of a disease that we could have eradicated from the entire world if it wasn't for these unfounded fears. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Ellie Beatty. Audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, including the two we just mentioned on anti-vaxxers and their impact on the health of our country's children, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie. And if you want us to follow up a story for you, send us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au. 